Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Andrew, and I was really hoping, in my mind, that this would be the film to redeem Joel Schumacher. (laughs) It was not. Oh, and he tips his hand (laughs) from the Uh Um, Uh get-go. Well, this this is a failure, other co-host, and even though the vampire hunters in this film are little kids who don't really seem to think things through very carefully. (laughs) Having them on the case is strangely comforting. Indeed. Indeed. Well, the film that we're going to be talking about today, ladies and gentlemen, is The Lost Boys, the classic Joel Schumacher film, as I said, from 1987. Uh, It was recommended to us by Chris, who's here on the show. Say hi to everybody, Chris. Hello, everyone. Chris, Chris, our returning champion. He's been here several times now. Um, I think this is your, what, your third time? No, no, no. Uh, I think uh, it's about four or five. Fourth or fifth? Fourth or fifth, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, you might be right. Um, was Predator the last time? Predator was the last Predator one. Predator was one of them, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, before we talk about this this movie, I want to tell you how to find us on the web. Mm. You can find us at our website, which is www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. There you can find all of our episodes posted, as well as uh, a comment section where you can leave any comments about our podcast in general, or more specifically, to recommend films that you would like us to talk about. And we will have you on the show, much like Chris is today, to talk about the movie that you have suggested. Mm -hmm. Um, It's tons of fun. We love having people on, and we love watching the movies that you suggest, provided that it's something that's easy enough for us to either stream or obtain on DVD or Blu-ray. We'll do it. You can do that same thing on our Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and you search for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, you can find our page. You can like that page. Our posts will start filling up your news feed. And we will also post additional materials that are supplemental to the actual film itself. Uh, So those are always fun and interesting and informative and sometimes just silly. So we recommend you check those out. Finally, you can find us on iTunes by searching for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, and subscribe to our podcast there. Get every single Everyone. episode. All Everyone. Them. All of them. And, uh, yeah, it's easy as pie. Vampire so. pie. <laughs> Vampire. That's better. Yes, vampire. <laughs> Much better pun than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> vampire cakes <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so the movie as I said that we we're going to be talking about is The Lost Boys Joel Schumacher film from 1987 Chris give us a little bit of uh, background on why this you suggested this movie this is our our last episode before Halloween so it's appropriate that we're doing a sort of uh, vampire flick it is an appropriate movie for this week this time of year uh, it's a great movie I think it's from 87 so I watched it when I was in high school and It was uh, Mm kind of gory for the time, uh, at least when I was watching movies. Uh, It had a lot of stars of the time in it. The Corys, Jason Patrick, uh, Kiefer Sutherland is in it. Um, Yeah. All sorts. uh, That guy from Harry and the the Hendersons, the the dad, (laughs) rest in peace. Edward Um, Herman? Yeah, he's in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's just a a goofball kind of guy's kid's movie. Uh, that you could watch with your friends. I think it's funny. I think the movie is not exactly great, but it's 
it's not Oscar worthy, but it's a it's a funny exactly B type of movie with A stars in that type of generation. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't even mention Diane Weist, who's in this as well. The great Diane Weist, uh, the great multi Oscar winning actress. It's true. That is very not true. Not for this movie. No, <laughs> not for this. But movie. Actually, she won multi Oscars uh, for The Lost Boys. <laughs> is that what it was? They just gave, they gave her best actress and best supporting actress just because, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's why. Yeah. Well, the Lost Boys itself, as a film, concerns a family. Uh, Diane Weist is the matriarch of this family. She is the single mother who has recently gotten divorced, uh, who has brought her two sons, played by Jason Patrick and Corey Haim, <laughs> uh, out to their to to her father, their grandfather's sort of ranch uh that uh it said santa santa clara Clara. no 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 it's not it's it's a no no it's the santa it's a made-up town carla carla Carla. they they switched the yeah yeah exactly uh which uh as they're driving into town on one side it has welcome to santa carla on the other side it says the murder (laughs) capital of the world uh so that's the sort of first hint at the weird things that are going to be happening um, and what they discover uh, very presently is that Santa Carla is the home to a brood of vampires. Maybe a coven? Maybe uh, a coven of vampires? A, a coven of vampires? A murder of vampires? A gaggle um, of vampires, maybe? A gaggle, yeah. Uh, vampires. Yeah, vampires. and vampires. There's a bunch of vampires that uh, that dress dress very stylishly for the 80s and terrorize people on the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and they end up turning Michael, played by Jason Patrick, uh, which is the older brother of the two, into their sort a vampire of... Vampire in progress, if you will. Vampire in progress, the kind of half-turned uh, human-vampire hybrid... Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and this of course ignites in Sam played by Corey Haim, a, a desire to conquer these vampires. He enlists the help of a couple of kids who work at the kids, his age who work at the (laughs) comic book store who know all about the vampires and are prepared to fight them. Right. Uh, if it sounds ridiculous, it's because it is. (laughs) Uh, but as Chris says, that's sort of in, in a way that's kind of the charm of this film. Um, it's, it is fun and it is very eighties in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. uh, Richard Donner, I think, was the uh, a producer on this, executive producer yeah. on this. Wow. Um, and Richard Donner, of course, is probably most famous for any children of the eighties for doing the Goonies, mm-hmm. which also starred uh, Corey Feldman. <clears throat> and uh, it it has moments that sort of feel like that but this is an r-rated film and it's a it is as chris said very gory at points Mm -hmm. and uh which is why you weren't allowed to see it when you were a child which is why i wasn't allowed to see it when i was a child this is the first time i've ever seen yeah that should be said you're you're no longer a lost boys virgin you're one of us one of us one of us now he's not allowed to see it ever again so (laughs) of his own volition yeah possibly yeah (laughs) um i mean I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun. Uh, but I thought that having been a longtime uh, hater of Joel Schumacher uh, ever since I saw Batman Forever yes. in the theaters, um, I, I actually, it's funny because I used to defend him 
because all of the people that I knew who I thought had reasonably good taste and, and were very uh, intelligent film goers, they would always say, Joel Schumacher is terrible, but what about the Lost Boys? <laughs> and so I used to actually, when I was talking about Joel Schumacher, I'd be like, yeah, he's a terrible director, except for the Lost Boys, because everybody sort of can agree that that's a great film. Uh <laughs> Now, having seen The Lost Boys, I will not be making that argument anymore. Well, he, he serves the story well, I think. I think he he manages this huge cast of great actors. I mean, I think the, the, there isn't really a ineffective performance in the whole film, in my opinion. I think everybody is well cast. It looks great. It's atmospheric. It's sexy at times. It's scary at times. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... As I was watching this, I, I was thinking, yeah, Joel Schumacher directed this movie, and I was noticing how um, his style, which some mates might say is rather empty, uh, manages to serve the subject matter quite appropriately. And he's, he cares about the gloss. He cares about the hair of these vampires. He cares about... The lighting, the d- the decor in their lair in this old and hotel the that... you know the the soupy fog that hovers around the bridge that they jump off of when they're trying to yeah yeah Michael. Fog. Very yeah yeah and and he, it's like yeah. <laughs> the the fact is the actors are all really good and the script is fun so it's almost like Joel Schumacher he made a couple of notable changes because the initially the original script was about little children who were vampires. And he and he agreed to direct the film only if they would change it to be a story about sexy teenage vampires who rode motorcycles. Mm. So I, I think that was a good change. I think he 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 had some good sense to make that change. Uh, it's it may not be a great movie, you know, like the African Queen or whatever. Yeah, good combination. But it's it's like a, it's an important part of movie history and and and. And our past, I think. Even if you haven't seen this film when you were a kid, this the first time I saw this movie, I was like 33. But I remember seeing the poster and seeing clips all through my childhood. And oh, yeah. it became a yeah, part yeah. of my childhood in a way. Because here was that movie that I could only imagine what it was like. But all my friends were seeing it. And there were all these people that I liked who were in it. So it's I, – I think that it's a good film. It's not – as I said, it's, it's not you know from here to eternity or anything like that. Um, but well, technically you know, it is for the vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think of more uh, random movies to fifties. Touche. It's not yeah, Toy Story. I would, uh, I would, I would, uh, <laughs> yeah. stand up for Mr. Schumacher in the case of this movie. Um, but that's just, you know, I can understand why one might regard the lost boys as, you know, an attempt at making an artistic or, or great film. Well, yeah, no, I see that. And that's not even really the argument that I have against it. I don't I don't think that he's I think that he's trying to make you know pop fluff and I think that he's it's he's reasonably successful. I mean, it, it was a fun movie, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed watching uh-huh. it. Um and certainly more than a lot of his other films. Um the only only other one that I can even think of that I actually enjoyed watching is uh uh Falling Down mm-hmm. with Michael Douglas, which is a very interesting and surprisingly fun movie mm-hmm. um but uh but it's not so much that it's just that i i see the weaknesses of joel schumacher as a director this kind of add kind of uh approach to filmmaking where he can't stick with anything or be serious about anything for long enough to to keep it mm-hmm. 
to keep the atmosphere or to keep the uh, to keep the the story moving forward. I mean, by the time we get to the ultimate confrontation in this film, it's it seems like it's over in almost instantaneously, mm-hmm. and and it, it it seems to have sprung out of nowhere. The you know these boys who who work at the uh, uh, at the comic book the shop, Frog Brothers, you mean? The Frog Brothers, yes. Corey Feldman. They're Corey That's Feldman. Uh, <laughs> and, and a footnote in cinema history. <laughs> yes, uh, they're. they're uh, I mean, they're, we see them a couple of times saying like, "Oh, beware! Here's a handbook." You know, they they give uh, young Sam comic books that are tell him about the the scary vampires that are here in the in the in the world. But I I can't help but think like if you look at something like The Goonies, which is Richard Donner. And the reason I bring it up is because Corey Feldman, obviously, also in that. Also a a movie with some scary elements that has a bit of adventure to it, all that kind of stuff. If you look at a movie like that, all of of these things that lead up to the the kind of development of the plot are lingered over for a period of time that allow you as the audience to really get a handle on what you're looking at, what you're seeing, understand it from the point of view of the main characters, and then move forward. Mm-hmm. But this film, it leaps back and forth between this kind of love story between Michael and uh, the the only girl, girl in the entire movie. Uh, star. Yeah, the only woman in the entire. Well, other than Diane, the great Reese. Diane, um, the great, the <laughs> great Oscar Weist. award winner for the Lost Boys, <laughs> Diane Weist. Doing um, it for a paycheck, but it, it, Diane Weist. It, it kind of, but well, speaking of Diane Weist, it's it's kind of this three tier story, right? You're you've got the love story between Michael and Star. You've got the the sort of vampire fighting, you know, story between Sam and these other the Frog Brothers, and then you've got the kind of overarching divorce story, and you know, getting back on your feet and raising kids and wanting to get back out there in the world. She's trying to date this this other guy, and. And it, it 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 flits back and forth between them so frequently that it never actually lingers long enough for us to get our bearings, and that's that's life. Andrew. That's where that's I life, felt. Andrew. Sorry, <laughs> okay, you say get your bearings. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, it you. I mean, everything is clearly understood, and and then you move on to the next story beat. Like, it's. I'm just curious what what we what were you missing? I, I disagree. I I because I I think that like for instance they hand him. The, the comic books and they say this is a this is a think of this more as a manual right than a than a comic book because he's like I don't read horror it's a damn comics good comic they're like it's a it's a good comic book but then we only ever see him actually looking at the comic book once he doesn't approach it as a manual he doesn't learn anything from it the Frog Brothers are ultimately the people who end up doing just about everything uh-huh. I I mean it you know him if if Sam is going to be one of our heroes he has to have some development and some learning going on and he has to, you would, you would expect them to linger over those things a little bit, but they don't, they just move on because there's something else cool to do and something more interesting hmm. in the mind of the director. That's the way I saw it. Well, I just figured that Sam wasn't meant to be the heroic vampire slayer. It, it, it you know, it, it was always going to be the frog brothers and Sam would help them. Um, but it was not, you know, but they're such tertiary characters. I mean, they're barely in the movie at all. No, they're in the movie. They, they're like twenty five percent of the movie. They get like an even stronger role as the film progresses because they're More the than, ones. Yeah, yeah, they're they're the heroes. Sure, but it's over. It's like it's like an hour more or Diane more Weiss. into the film. <laughs> 
I'm just saying it's more than an hour into the film before that happens. Gotta so you're saying, I mean, on, honestly, like we, they maybe have a total of four minutes of screen time before the hour mark. Well, and, and it's I only an hour and that? 40 minute movie. But I mean, it's nonetheless. Uh, so so maybe they they are not. It's it's not set up at the from the very beginning that they are going to be the ones who who kill the vampires, but soon enough that is set up. Yeah, it is set up. But then, like I, I as a film goer, I want to see some justification for that. I want to see some relationship develop between them and Sam instead of having them just be stand-ins for some sort of Van Helsing character that you know comes through in a pinch. You well, know. you know, this movie has a, so much going on. There's so many relationships that are at their, that are chronicled in this story that are given almost equal importance. Um, and yeah, it's I guess like Corey Feldman and his dog, Corey yeah. Haim and his dog. <laughs> Get it right, man. Yeah, Corey, yeah. it's a prominent yeah. <laughs> prominent relationship in the movie. It is. It but, is. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like. It's maybe it seems like you were kind of building up in your mind of what you wanted the movie to be, and then it turns out that it didn't actually turn out that way. No, that's that's not it at all. This is all done in in retrospect. This is all me looking back at it and saying, why was I dissatisfied with this film at the end of it? And these are the reasons that I came up with. These are the reasons that I felt like I was dissatisfied with it. Well, I think it is narratively haphazard. I think if you'd seen this movie when you were younger, both of you, to be honest with you, I think you would have a different opinion of the film. That's you know what I mean? Probably you've very seen true. it when you're yeah. an adult in your thirties and everything is outdated. The the script seems real cheesy. Uh but when you were a kid, this is kind of stuff that uh like boys especially loved watching. You know, vampires just reminded me as a as a kind of like a slapstick almost like not like in the silver bullet type of mindset with the Stephen King werewolf movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, also Corey yeah. Haim. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't get rid of those guys in the 80s. So, <laughs> no, um, no, no. But uh, I think if you had a different mindset going into it um, back in the day when everything was scary, like you said, you couldn't see those movies. But if you hadn't up seen it, it's scary. Um, and as you grow older, the scariness yeah. goes away, but the, the, the humor rises and you, and you see a lot of innuendo and stuff from the humor that you wouldn't have gotten yeah, back yeah. in the day. And that's why I kind of like this movie, just because. A, it brings me back. It's it's nostalgic. It brings me back to my childhood of watching it and mm-hmm. whatever, For whatever sure. have you. But at the same time, uh, it, it's every time I see it, I can always uh, uh, take a laugh at at a Corey or see Kiefer Sutherland when he looked like he couldn't even shave yet. So yeah, but uh, this, it's not really about the it's not really about the plot. It's really just about the the journey, the adventure of seeing this movie. So yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm my criticisms of it make it sound like I enjoyed it less than I did. I actually enjoyed it a lot. I really had fun watching it. Um, I just ultimately was left dissatisfied, and I do think that some of the performances in it are great. I actually think Kiefer Sutherland is fantastic yeah, in it, and and all of those images that you mentioned before, Phil, those kind of indelible images from my childhood that I knew of from this film, all involved him, mm-hmm. you know, as like either him like coming up to the camera with those eyes and the fangs or, or that, that moment when he's like up in the corner of their house, you know, on the, on the, the beams of the house. And he's looking down, he's peering out of the shadows, like really cool, really interesting, really fun imagery uh-huh. in the film. And to top it all off, a, a really excellent performance by Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it's, I criticize it, but I still had fun watching it. And I do think that you're right, Chris. Like a lot of that humor 
Like it's a lot funnier than I expected it to be. Yeah. Like a lot funnier than I expected it to be. It's I don't actually, think it just takes itself very seriously. So it, it does. Yeah, yeah. But for me, the 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 letdown is I feel like it's a little bit too humor centric. Um, yeah. Because for for much of the film, it's it sets up the the fear of of these vampires in a pretty effective way, and uh, and it, it had my attention, and it, it and I was even kind of reverent towards these characters because I, they scared me a little bit. And but then when it starts to get a little bit more cartoonish with the, some of the dialogue and and some of what the Frog Brothers are doing and saying, it it uh, reminded me of a problem that me and Andrew have talked about with certain superhero fil- films, where uh, you're caught up in the action of something, but then the filmmakers feel the need to kind of undercut that excitement with some jokes, and and it does it has that exact effect. You kind of like. You, you become less excited, less thrilled, and then you get distracted and then you laugh for a little bit. And, and it's amusing. A lot of the, the, hu- the humorous moments in this film are still funny, you know, 30 years later, my God. Um, but uh, at the same time, it, it's, it could have been more frightening. It could have been more involving. And I, I, don't, I don't really know, like, it's almost like they knew that they wanted younger kids to be the audience for this story, even though they weren't allowed to see R-rated movies at the time. I think that's true, but at the same time, I think that humor, there is a multitude of places where there is probably a little bit over humorous sections of the movie, but I think that same time, a lot of that humor comes right after a very violent scene or right after uh, a gory scene where it kind of cuts it so you're not all amped up the entire movie. But I get it. I understand that if that's what you want throughout the movie and that's what you're looking forward to, that interlude can be very distracting. Yeah, and and that's sort of that. that I mean, you're you're kind of pinpointing Phil a little bit of what I'm I was talking about earlier, which is just the idea that I think that in it trying to sort of be a lot of different, it, try, it trying to serve a lot of different purposes, and in it trying to be scary at the same time as being funny, um, it 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 could have committed to one or the other to help develop it more like i feel like it's the our investment in the characters in a dramatic sense in terms of the the fear that we feel for them and the the mortal danger that they are in is more acute because the film spends more time with that so then when we get to these humorous asides sometimes they seem a little bit thrown in Mm -hmm. because we haven't spent time like developing for instance the frog brothers and having that be like a, a real relationship, like they seem to exist in a in a, a vacuum. They seem to exist outside of the rest God, of the. God, you love the Frog Brothers, man. The, <laughs> you're talking the rest of Santa Carla, yeah. Well, I, I, the only now you're touching on something, Andrew, that's interesting to to me because, yeah. Um, while the horrific elements in the story are set up, many of them are are, um. You know, we learn about them early on, and then we we actually mm-hmm. see them, and it jibes with what we heard about. Uh, the the humor kind of most of it comes out of left field all the time. Like it's usually just kind of a, a spontaneous remark that somebody makes after something scary, like Chris was saying, to un- to kind of yeah. undercut the tension. Um, the only like running gag that I can recall, and having seen the film now a second time, is the thread about the crazy grandpa. And how he's always doing something crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's always, you know, and and that kind of humor, I think, because it was set up. And when I, I hope I'm clear when I say that to, to everybody listening, like when I mean set up, I mean that it's 
it was the humor is not just coming out of nowhere. It's it's introduced early and then it's followed up on throughout the film in a realistic or believable way. Um, that kind of humor, like such as the grandpa, didn't bother me um, because it was it was integrated into the story quite smoothly. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. But these kind of spontaneous remarks that just pop up. It uh, it gave me the feeling of um, almost feeling dissatisfied or cheated with uh, with what I was seeing and hearing. And I don't know if that's kind of how you felt about the um, Frog Brothers, the, the Frog Brothers <laughs> and their and the way that, uh, you know, you you were wanting Corey Haim to be set up as the, the hero of the story. And he was he actually was not set up that way. Well, no, no, it's not. It's not that I wanted him to be set up as the hero. It's that the the fact that they set up the Frog Brothers as the heroes seems, as you you yourself said, you were like, no, the Frog Brothers are the heroes. Well, that's great. Why would you make a tertiary character in your story the hero of the story? Like, why would you just bring them in in the third act and then be like, ha ha, look who saves the day? That well, you know, seems I mean, bizarre to me. Maybe it's like. Uh... John Goodman in Arachnophobia, you know, like they bring him in <laughs> in the, the third act. He's the he's the spider but, killer. But his well, actually, they bring him in in the second act, and he's dispensed. He's well, it's not exactly the same right. sort of a thing. He doesn't turn out to be the the savior that they think he's going to be, right? Um, but the it, it's the idea that. That there, there. I just didn't feel like there was enough setup for for the payoff. The payoff did not match the setup. That's what I'm talking about. You look at the Goonies. I'm going to mention this one more time, and then I'll promise I'll stop talking about the Goonies. It came to. It came out two years before this one did. And in that film, you have you establish the relationships between all of the the friends early on in the film, and then you develop it throughout so that when things happen in the end of the film, when you get to the climax of the film and people are behaving in ways that you can expect them to behave or unexpectedly, depending on who they are and what they're doing, then the payoff is much greater because you've actually invested the time to develop them. The Frog Brothers, prior to the end of the film, are just, they're just, they're almost non-existent characters. I was shocked that they, that, it was even everybody talks about this movie as a Corey Feldman movie, and I was like, Corey Feldman's hardly in this movie. Chris, how do you, uh, where do you weigh in on these points? Well, gentlemen, I have nothing to say about the Frog <laughs> Brothers, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, your points are valid. But I think this movie is not made to be hashed out in terms of cinematic. You're probably excellence. right. Yes, I think it's just made to be watched and enjoyed and not to be thought about and not to worry about whether the frog brothers are the true heroes of the movie or whether Corey <laughs> Hames wussification is perfect and whether or not Kiefer Sutherland can hang from a corner. Well, it's just a good movie uh, to just watch at this time of year. I'm not saying it should be award worthy, but no, it's, it's campy. It's yeah, fun. It's a campy kitschy movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 very of the time. Like it's it's a great kind of like eighties that uh, saxophone playing <laughs> rock star oh, yeah. in the beginning shirtless of the movie. and greased up, <laughs> so greased oh, up, yeah. just like cut from marble and greased up and playing the saxophone. I mean, if there's something more eighties that you can point <laughs> me towards, I would like to know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Amazing! Yeah. Amazing! Um, 
but I think yeah, it's fun. As Phil said, the the performances are are good in this really? film, um, and and despite my my gripes, uh, it, it was still a very entertaining watch. Um, it's good, kind of mindless Halloween. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Fun, you know? and it should be said that uh, in a matter of interesting trivia, this, this film came out in 1987, which was the same year that another notable vampire film directed by Catherine Bigelow came out called Near Dark. Oh, which yes, is, uh, an excellent which movie, is actually. A really uh, good vampire flick, and but that one also takes itself pretty yes, serious it does. it's more serious and it and <laughs> another bit of trivia regarding that film is uh um joshua john miller is in the film near dark as one of the vampires and jason patrick is his half brother hmm. oh really so same year same general That's family and one uh vampires. one note of trivia for this movie i don't think you guys know but this was actually based on actual events so and I'm kidding. This was not based at all on actual events. <laughs> <laughs> your looks, looks, your looks were great. Yeah. Santa Carla law books for the whole 20th century. I didn't find anything like this. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that's crazy. Um, uh, yeah, Lance Hendrickson's also in Near Dark. Yeah. He's great. Near Dark, that's a good one. Great. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that since we were at film school. I haven't watched it in a yeah, while. Let's focus yeah. on Lost Boys. Let's oh, focus sorry. on Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, about near dark, you guys. About those frog brothers and how they yeah. should have come in earlier. <laughs> there were no frog brothers no frog in near brothers. dark at all. No, but like guys. the, uh, it's 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 fun to watch the the frog brothers with their. They take their vampire hunting so seriously, and they think, "Oh yeah, let's just fill this bathtub with holy water, which we steal from a church," and. Never Which mind. was a really funny yeah, bit. It was very way. funny yeah. because it's totally improbable, and there's no way that they could have filled their canteens with the holy water and gotten enough water to fill that bathtub unless they went back to various churches <laughs> many times. Which would have been a really funny bit, a nice funny yeah. montage to include in the film, uh, but that was not set up, and we didn't see it, so we can't rely on that. Uh, it's fine. I buy but, it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's so silly that they're. But then it works. Like their methods work. For some reason, garlic doesn't work in this case, but holy water does. And the vampires are dispatched toot sweet one after the other uh, in the climactic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is like it's just it's it's definitely a horror comedy of the most uh, thorough order. I would say. I mean, it's up there mm-hmm. with like. It's almost as silly as Evil Dead 2, mm. uh, but not quite as over the top, which maybe, I don't know. If, if this film had been just pure silliness from the, from the very beginning, how would that have been? It probably wouldn't have been the, the cult classic that it is. Probably not. Probably not. I'm not sure that in that, I, I think that Sam Raimi and Joel Schumacher are two very different <laughs> kinds of directors. Yeah. And the self-assuredness that uh, Sam Raimi has when doing ridiculous things is a sight to behold. I love Evil Dead too. I mean, but we're we're here to talk about the Lost Boys. <laughs> By the way, Evil Dead Two came out the same year as the Lost Boys and Near Predator. Dark. And Near Predator. Dark. And Predator. And Predator. Yeah, that was a good year, guys. That was a good year. Yeah, I was watching Land Before Time <laughs> when these <laughs> came out. And Platoon. Yeah, you were. <laughs> 
we'll have to tune it to Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, that's our show on The Lost Boys. Uh, I was a little lukewarm on it. Uh, I think that uh, Chris uh, loves it. It's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Phil's pretty fond of it. I I like it, but it's... It's just entertainment, and it's, it's candy. And it's, it's candy. It reminds me. It's it is candy. Yeah, it reminds candy. me of, of a time when I used to walk around as a kid and see girls who had hair like Jamie Gertz, and oh, yeah. and, and listens. And I, when I heard music on the radio, City like Lover. I hear in the Lost Boys, <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's a it's like a time capsule. But um, yeah, it's just it's, yeah, like I said. It's, it's no the cane mutiny, um, hmm. but it's still. <laughs> you want to keep coming up with these? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, please. Thank you again, Chris, for coming thank on the show. Um, as per usual, uh, we'll have you on again before too long. I know you have a long <laughs> list of suggestions that we're going to work our way through. You guys are fueling them down. You guys are fueling uh, them down. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit at a time. Just, you know, chipping away at that mountain. Uh, please join us for our next episode when we'll be talking about the new release, Steve Jobs. The Aaron Sorkin penned, Danny Boyle directed, Michael Fassbender starring Steve Jobs biopic about the man himself. There's a lot of power behind this film. There is a lot of power behind this film. So uh, we hope that you will join us for that. And thanks so much for listening. Happy Halloween.